welcome to another episode of the Ramblin' Rev. I'm your host, Scott Dalen, an ELCA pastor in Southwest Iowa. Yes, you can call me Rev. I produce this podcast every week for a couple of different reasons. Now, the first reason I do these is to take my brain out of the mode of background work over the course of the week and move into the process of actually preparing the sermon that I will preach to my congregation for the weekend. So that's the first reason that I do these, kind of just a thought dump process. The second reason I do these is just to allow you, the listener, who are graciously giving of your time, to, just to let you gain some different insight into the assigned text for the week. Now, when I say the assigned text, I'm referring to a tool known as the Revised Common Lectionary. This is an organizational tool, brings our scriptures into a three-year cycle that gets used in the purpose of worship. If you are a regular listener or if you become a regular listener, you'll discover that the vast majority of the time I focus in on the assigned gospel lesson for the week. Every once in a while, I'll grab one of the other ones and focus in on that. But typically, I go after the gospel lesson, just trying to give you some insight into what's going on in and around that text. That is, of course, what's going on here as well. And this one is, for the first time, a real, real, real episode. It's actually episode number four. But this time around, I am preaching this week. The last couple of weeks, though I've produced uh, episodes, I was not preaching. So those were more of just some uh, generic background work. But this one, I've gone a little bit more in depth this week. Uh, This particular Sunday, December 22nd, 2019, is the fourth Sunday of Advent, actually the final Sunday of the short four-week-long season of Advent. It's our final Sunday before we hit Christmas, which is, of course, coming up just a couple days later, Christmas Eve on the 22nd, Christmas Day on the 25th, when we will celebrate the birth of Jesus. Now, what's a little bit different with this particular reading, uh, which is coming out of Matthew, is that we actually have Matthew's account of the birth. And that is the text that we're focusing in on. It's Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Now, normally in the church year, we will not hear about the birth of Jesus until Christmas or Christmas Eve specifically. This one, though, is not quite that same way. And we will hear about the birth of Jesus, but what's really interesting about it is the birth is pretty much a throwaway comment. If you're not even paying attention or if you're not paying close attention, you might even miss it and not realize that it's part of it. But with that being said, let's go ahead and read it and then we'll go ahead and get into it. Again, this is Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had born a son, and he named him Jesus. All right, so that is our reading. And as you might have picked up right there at the very end, we hear that Jesus is born. Our passage that's coming up for one week down the road will pick up just after this in chapter 2 of Matthew's Gospel, which still focuses in 
on the infancy of, of Jesus or when he's very, very young. But this one is just kind of putting things in perspective. Now, when we consider this passage, I have to put it in conversation with one of the other Gospels. Now, we have the birth narrative found in two of the four Gospels. We have it in uh, Luke's Gospel, and then we have it here in Matthew. Uh, Mark picks up, actually, with Jesus full grown. We hear about John the Baptist, for starters. Uh, and John uh, is a completely different situation. We have the prologue, or the first 17 verses of that, which talk about the incarnation in terms of the light shining in the darkness, uh, the word becomes became flesh and dwelt among us. So those are the beginnings of the other two Gospels. But here in Matthew and then in Luke, we have the birth narratives. I think it's probably safe to say that we are more familiar with Luke's narrative. That's the one that we tend to hear every single year on Christmas Eve, uh, what gives us really more detail in and around the birth itself. Not to mention the lead up to that, which we also mirror with the, uh, the lead up to the birth of John the Baptist, the dealings with Mary and Elizabeth, her relative who's the mother of John, and all that big old comparison. We don't have that here in Matthew. Matthew starts off with the genealogy of Jesus, starting with Abraham and going on down through Joseph. But then we move into this portion that, where we picked up today. What's, what catches my attention especially as I compare Matthew over to Luke, is who is the focal point? Now, in Luke's gospel, the announcement of the birth of Jesus comes to Mary. The angel appears to Mary. Mary is given some agency in that. She basically needs to agree, which, of course, she does. She says, may it be as you have said. But she's given a voice. She's given choice, seemingly. But that's not really the case here in Matthew's gospel. In Matthew's gospel, we hear about Joseph. We hear about Jesus' earthly dad or his adopted dad and his part in this story. Now, what I think is interesting is this whole situation appears to Joseph in a dream or the angel appears to Joseph in a dream. And it's not the only time that happens. Joseph has angelic divine messages, if we want to call it that, several different times throughout the course of the next chapter or so. He's warned in a dream that Herod the Great is trying to kill Jesus. So he takes Jesus and Mary, and they go out to Egypt. And then he's, he's told in another dream later on that Herod is dead, and so it's okay to come back to, to the Holy Land or to Palestine. He, then he's warned in a dream yet again that one of Herod's sons who's in charge is still a threat, and that leads them to settle then in Galilee. So I can only think that Joseph has his divine dream radar really up in arms and really picking up on a lot of stuff. Uh, because he kind of continues to have these divinely inspired dreams that direct him in the care for the baby Jesus. We could certainly make the argument that, that Joseph's role at this point in Jesus' life, in his early life, is vital for protection and for guidance to be provided for when Jesus is a baby and is un unable to do so for himself. In addition, as I first started working with the text this week, especially as we've just come out of the year of Luke and uh, the focus in Luke's gospel, is it struck me as odd that Mary is so secondary. I mean, everything that's going on is really going on with Mary, unless we really start to dig in and, and explore why Matthew might be doing this. Now, what we first find out is the status between Mary and Joseph altogether. Uh, they are engaged. Uh, or they are betrothed is probably a better way of saying it, but they are not actually married yet. They, she has not come into his home. Marriage has not been consummated. 
and all of that are, are important steps in their culture at the time. But from a legal standpoint, they might, they're essentially married. And so when found that Mary is pregnant, that indicates adultery. And it's kind of an oddball situation uh, the way that worked. Um, it's considered adultery if an unmarried woman has sex. It's not considered adultery if an unmarried guy does. But if there is adultery within a marriage, then the husband is the quote-unquote injured party, which is it's just all around strange, and it speaks into the patriarchal nature of society at that time. But what this is really pointing out is that Joseph is sort of the victim. And he's given a choice. He can either publicly disgrace Mary, or he can quietly kind of put her aside and essentially divorce her, pretty much the same situation, but can do it without public disgrace. For Mary, neither one of these options is really great because if she is, even if she's divorced publicly, she's still going to have to remain in her father's house and she'll never be able to be married and she'll be at the uh, mercy of her family for the rest of her life. So that's not a real spectacular situation either, but at least at least it's less public. Now we hear that Joseph is a righteous man, that righteousness means that he has to act, but his compassion as a righteous man leads him to want to do it more quietly. And we hear that he's essentially made up his mind to do this, and that's when this dream comes in. But now here's the interesting thing, and here's a point that has sort of captured my attention. Nowhere in Matthew's gospel, actually nowhere in the gospels, period, but nowhere in this gospel that, that looks from his perspective do we hear Joseph talk. Joseph never says anything. We hear about his actions. We see what he does. We see the way that he, he takes Jesus uh, as, as his son, raises him as his son, the protection that he offers him. But we never actually hear him talk. Who does talk? Well, we hear the angel speaking. We actually hear from the prophet uh, later on, that, and that happens to be the prophet Isaiah. But what gets said and what we hear is that uh, Mary is pregnant from the Holy Spirit. We hear of the divine action of the Holy Spirit within her in the conception of Jesus, in the pregnancy of Jesus, we might call it. Uh, we see that all three members of the Trinity are, are part of this, that it's, it's the Spirit that has taken action with Mary. Uh, and then we hear instructions for the name of Jesus. Now, I've talked in some past episodes before about the importance of names within Jewish culture, uh, particularly within the Hebrew language. And Jesus is the Greek version of Joshua. Now, Joshua in Hebrew literally means Yahweh saves or God saves. And so that could be considered a little bit of a play on words. You will name him God saves. So that's kind of an interesting point there. But then that's not the only name or at least perhaps title that we hear applied to Jesus. We also hear from the prophet, they will name him Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. So we have the statement or the name, the identity that God saves and that God is with us. And I think that these are important points to really focus in on as we consider the uh, way that Jesus' divinity as well as humanity is on display here, as confusing as that might be for us to, to understand sometimes. And yet there's there are some parallels that I think go into our life of faith as well. Uh, when Joseph names Jesus, which we hear that he gives him the name Jesus, he is claiming him as his son. That was the father's right, the father's claim upon the, 
the child by giving them the name. And so we see that even Jesus had that sense of adoption that is so prevalent for us that we hear about later on, uh, particularly in some of Paul's writings, that, that we share in that spirit of adoption. Well, how does that happen? Well, for us, that happens through the work of the Holy Spirit within us, through the gift of faith in which we believe the promises and the promise that we are given that's spoken over us in baptism, that we are claimed as God's children. And so we really see that same, same type of situation going on here. Now, is it different? Of course, Jesus is divine. We are not. And yet, one last point that I kind of want to make, what the direction that I'm really kind of aiming with this sermon is the presence of the divine with us. You know, Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus embodied that. But what was happening with Jesus that we hear about here in the, the birth narrative or leading up to the birth narrative is the action of the Holy Spirit. And the promises that we profess in baptism is that we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit dwells within us and brings us into the body of Christ, that it's through the power of the Spirit within us. And this is a good reminder for us as we look around in a world that is broken, that is flawed, where we feel and see the existence of sin on our own brokenness all too often. And we wonder, God, where are you? Well, God resides within us, the, the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that, that resulted in, in the divine and the human coming together in Jesus uh, is, is present and resides within us. Now, this is not to say that we ourselves are divine, though, of course, we are also told in Genesis that humanity bears the divine image, but it really stresses the importance of seeing that God dwells with us that those promises of revelation that ultimately there will be a new heaven and a new earth and that God will dwell among us, that that is already coming to fruition. And it begins here with the advent of Jesus. So that's kind of what's going on in this passage. Uh, there's a lot happening here in this narrative with a, the throwaway comment about the birth of Jesus. I'll be back with a out of the ordinary timed episode early next week as I'm preparing my sermon for Christmas Eve as well. So you can kind of be looking for that the first part of next week. But uh, other than that, these tend to drop on Fridays as I'm moving into the weekend. I hope that this has been helpful for you. If you find that these are a good, uh, a good source of information and they are a benefit to you, uh, you want to hit subscribe, you'll get them every week and maybe consider leaving a review or a rating on, on the streamer platform as well. That would be most appreciated. Otherwise, I hope you have a blessed week. We will catch you next time.